0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Intentional Wellbeing Podcast. I am your host, uh, Diane Bondi. And on today's podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit about the multiple layers or the many shades of blackness. Whenever I think of um, 50 Shades of Blackness, I often think of that, that movie a million years ago or the book that everybody was enticed by called 50 Shades of Grey. And I wanted to apply the same analogy To the Shades of Blackness. As uh, many of you know, I reside here in Canada. I'm part of the North American diaspora as part of hanging out here on Turtle Island. But what you might not know about me is I am not African American. If I had to label myself, just for ethnicity's sake, I am a Caribbean Canadian. I am, my point of origin (laughs) by way of the transatlantic slave trade was my people were pulled from the country of Benin on the continent of Africa and relocated through the transatlantic human trafficking, as we know as the transatlantic slave trade to Barbados to work the land for sugarcane that enriched uh, Europe. So Europe's connection to places like Jamaica Uh, Barbados, uh, and a lot of Caribbean countries is through the transatlantic slave trade. So human trafficking of uh, people from Africa, from the continent, working as free labor uh, for the United States and for Europe. So that's my history. So uh, my parents emigrated from Barbados to Canada in 1967. And I was born and raised in Canada uh, here on Turtle Island. And I've been residing (laughs) here for uh, all of my 52 years on the planet. And so I currently live in Windsor, Essex County, which is by location and by, I would think, local definition, we are a suburb of Detroit. We are the closest suburb of Detroit but we reside in a whole other country of Canada. So uh, that is my connection. And I've spent a lot of time in the United States. Most cities and most of uh, the population in Canada lives along the border of the United States. Most of us live within two or three hours of a United States border crossing So the influence of America on Canada is huge. And I likened it to sleeping next to a giant. So we are sleeping next to an elephant and we're pretty much pretty small, maybe not as small as a mouse, but small. So that if the elephant rolls over, we could literally and figuratively be crushed. But having said that, the influence of American culture, politics, Uh, is prevalent here, especially in border cities, but throughout Canada. So growing up, I grew up uh, in a small city just outside of uh, Toronto, and a lot of the news and cultural references that we got in Canada that were overwhelmingly American came from Buffalo and Niagara Falls, New York, and upstate New York. So I've had a lot of Canadian, or I should say American, influence in my life. And so I think that's fair for a lot of Canadians and we see how that kind of shapes our national identity. When I was in the 12th grade, we had to read an essay called finding the Canadian identity was like finding a needle in a haystack. So the influence from our American cousins and family was so profound that sometimes it was hard to distinguish what a Canadian identity is. And Quite frankly, uh, that continues today, right? So 30 years later, we're still talking about our Canadian identity, which is becoming smudged or blurred a lot of the time. If you go away to any other part of the country, Canadians really want to be defined as Canadians because there's a lot of stuff that happens in the Americas, or in America, I should say, that Canadians don't want to be associated with or don't want to lay clay too. Uh, So Canadians seem to think, and I'm putting that out there, that somehow um, our history is not as maybe tarnished or fraught as American history. There are a lot of Canadians out there who believe that there was no slavery in Canada. Spoiler alert, there was. That we didn't have segregated schools here. Spoiler alert, there was. Uh, But what Canadians can be profoundly embarrassed about and can figure out what they want to care about in these moments uh, is our history of how we teach our, how we treat our First Nations and Indigenous folks. So, part of our well being in the Canadian identity is knowing our history and that we too have a history of enslavement and human trafficking. We too have a history of treating Black and Brown folks uh, with no humanity. And We're right now in 2022, which started in 2021, we found a lot of unmarked graves around our residential school systems. And I'll talk about that in another podcast. But um, so we're finding a lot of unmarked graves of young Indigenous and uh, First Nation children that disappeared in the residential school system, which was something that was created to um, perpetuate genocide of First Nations in Canada and to remove um, the identities of First Nations and to assimilate First Nation into what would be European-Canadian uh, culture or European-Canadian dominance. So we are uh, very much purveyors of white supremacy here. The reason you don't hear about all of our uh, awful doings, uh, we're pretty shitty, uh, <laughs> is that we just happen to have better PR than, than Americans. But we also tend to be high and mighty. Somehow we think we're not as racist or we're not as classist or we're not as sexist or we're not as you fill in the blank. But um, I believe that any country that's been colonized by Europe is ruled by white supremacy and has no idea in some ways how it's being ruled and how white supremacy influences everything. So that is something I'm constantly thinking about. I'm going to pivot here and talk a little bit about Juneteenth which happened last month, we're currently in the month of July. And I've been thinking a lot about what Juneteenth means. And because I'm not African American, I don't have a direct connection to Juneteenth. However, I understand the significance of Juneteenth. I also understand, you know, with the emancipation of slaves uh, in the country where I originate from in Barbados, I understand that celebration of the ending of enslavement. So I understand why that has significant cultural relevance. However, I have some feelings and I have some thoughts on Juneteenth as a Canadian looking over to my American brothers and sisters, friends and colleagues, um, my family. I often think if we're all residing on the North American continent, that we're all related. Uh, and those of us whose families were part of the transatlantic slave trade, um, I'm sure we're all very connected in that um, those of us who enslaved, were enslaved, uh, our families weren't kept together and, uh, or preserved and our culture wasn't preserved. So we were ripped from our homes and split up and ended up, depending on what um, slave sh- uh, ship you ended up on, you might be in Europe you might be in um, America. So we're all connected by that. And most of us are probably even related. So I often think of looking to African-American history as a part of my existence as well. And Juneteenth, for those of you who do not know what that is, uh, it's a celebration of the emancipation of slaves. So during, um, of enslaved Africans during, uh, and you know what, I keep having to, correct my tone um, and correct my language around that. So when we say slaves, we tend to dehumanize the folks who were enslaved. So notice how enslaved has more resonance and puts the focus on the people doing the enslavement as opposed to the, Oh, the poor situation of the folks who are enslaved. And I want to remind people of that, 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 Folks were enslaved. That was the biggest human trafficking ring of all time. And when we put it in that context, you can really understand uh, the horrors and give a more, in my opinion, humane or add humanity um, back into our consciousness around who was ripped (laughs) from their homeland, dragged um, to another country. And then has spent the last 400, 500 years trying to assert humanity and and having our humanity honored and our contributions to society recognized. So for those of you who are not familiar, let's do a shallow dive into American history. I'm not an American historian, uh, so I am pulling my facts from uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, which is why, which is something I use throughout my teenage years. I'm in my 50s, and so we didn't have the internet when I was uh, in high school for sure. It, it came out when I was uh, finishing up university, but the Encyclopedia Britannica is where we <laughs> got all our information. And sadly, the Encyclopedia Britannica in most schools was outdated. So uh, I'm looking at the online version, which is a lot more connected. So, Juneteenth, Independence Day is a holiday that was just created nationally in the United States back in 2021. And I think a lot of that creating of this holiday uh, came to be with the death of George Floyd and the rise of uh, Black Lives Matter and for folks to see what was going on in the world. During the pandemic, where we were literally staring at our computer screens for long periods of time during the day, we couldn't look away from the the dramas and the traumas of being black in America, and quite frankly, being black in the world. Uh, there's a cer- there is certainly an un- anti-blackness among all cultures and ethnicities, which I find disturbing. Uh, that it doesn't just it's not just white people who. Um, have this history of hatred for black folks it's also other people of color so for me I don't call myself a person of color because it doesn't necessarily mean that all people of color are interested in freeing me from my oppression some some people of color are interested in replacing white people as my oppressors so again a podcast for another day but uh Juneteenth is a holiday that is commemorating the end of enslavement in the United States and it's Annually observed on June 19th, hence the Juneteenth. So, in 2022, it was celebrated on Sunday, June 19th. So, in, in 1863, during the Civil War, uh, the President uh, Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, which declared more than 3,000 enslaved Africans living in Confederate states to be free. Uh, more than two years would pass before it would reach um, the news would reach African Americans. Uh, or enslaved uh, Africans uh, living in, te- in Texas and enslavement. It wasn't until uh, Union soldiers arrived in Galveston, Texas, in G- June 19th of 1865, that the state's residents finally learned that s- slavery had been abolished and the former slaves um, immediately began to celebrate with prayer, feasting, song, and dance. And that's very similar to when slavery ended in Barbados. The same kinds of celebrations happened. Uh, So this is something that parallels, I think, my historical experience to the historical experience of African-Americans. I also come from an enslaved um, people and also we celebrated at the end of enslavement. So the following year on June 19th uh, was the first official Juneteenth celebrations took place in Texas. Uh, the original observances, including prayer meetings, singing spirituals, celebrants wore new clothes as a way of representing their newfound freedom. Within a few years, African-Americans and other states were celebrating the day as well, making it an annual tradition. Celebrations have uh, continued across the United States into the 21st century, typically including prayer, religious services, speeches, educational events, family gatherings, picnics, festivals, music, food, all kinds of merriment and celebration, but Juneteenth became a state holiday in Texas in 1980 with a number of other states that followed suit, but it was until 2021 that Juneteenth was made a federal holiday and the day is celebrated outside the United States, uh, being used by organizations in a number of countries to recognize um, the end of enslavement and honor the culture and achievements of African Americans. I have some thoughts and feelings around the national creation of bus holiday. And I know a lot of these, what I call performative, necessary, but performative acts of recognition for enslaved folks. I always ask myself who's benefit, benefiting the most from Juneteenth as a national holiday. And as I was watching the celebrations and wishing my fellow Black folks So much love and joy. I wondered how many people would actually have Juneteenth off as a celebration. Who would most benefit from this national holiday? Who's actually recognizing the national holiday? And creating the national holiday is great in acknowledging the freedom of enslaved Africans in America. But what does it do to actually create systemic change? around anti-racism and white supremacy. And in my opinion, not a whole lot. Sometimes to me, Juneteenth seems almost like a performative thing, meaning that what Black folks in America are asking for, as Black folks all over the world are asking for, is for a change in policing, a change in laws, the end to systemic and structural oppression, so access to uh, free and fair elections, (laughs) because that's something that's always happening, the gerrymandering and the removal of um, Black folks' ability to vote, or limiting Black folks' ability to vote, or not, you know, looking at ways that we can stop Black folks and other folks of colour from voting, Um, the continued rise and the continued acceptance of police brutality. You know, um, quite recently, we've had a number of mass shootings or we've witnessed a number of mass shootings in America, which is nothing new, but there was a new mass shooting um, after the Texas mass shooting. And uh, the mass shooter, who will not be named here, uh, was taken into custody by the police, without incident. So he was armed and dangerous and he was taken into police custody with much care. Nobody made a big deal about it. Uh, However, we had a shooting of Jalen Walker, uh, an unarmed African-American man who refused to stop his car and officers chased him. Unarmed man, Okay. Driving away. Uh, and if you see the video, which I don't recommend you watch, uh, he had police officers shot 90 bullets at this man and 60 of those bullets, um, hit him, right? He was struck 60 times and more than 90 shots were fired. Okay. Do you want to talk about, excessive force and use of force this is unbelievable meanwhile a mass shooter who killed now we're now at seven people and injured 32 more um who was armed and dangerous was taken into custody without incident so uh how does a juneteenth holiday (laughs) solve this problem In my opinion, I sometimes think these performative actions of, you know, Juneteenth holidays or painting Black Lives Matter um, on a street in Washington, D.C. that can consistently gets vandalized by white supremacists and anti-Black racism. How does that actually serve the rest of us in terms of structural racism? How does that make our lives better? To me, it's a distraction. If we just celebrate the ending of enslavement for enslaved Africans and give everybody a holiday, maybe people will focus less on the injustices, the degradation, and the loss of dignity for Black folks um, who don't get to live free in society because you're constantly worried That A, you might uh, roll through a stop sign or, you know, heaven forbid, have uh, disability veteran plates on your car and park in an accessible parking spot and have the police harass you because your skin is brown and they don't know how to read a license plate. This is something I saw on um, Instagram very recently where a disabled veteran with disabled plates parked in a spot and had a all white or wait a minute in their police department they did have one black person out of all the white police officers give this man a hard time turned out he was a peace officer and did I mention he was a veteran so he went and served his country only to come back and be treated like a second-class citizen because you saw the color of his skin and you wanted to give him a hard time I'm glad he knew his rights in the law but what struck me by that video is he was very calm, non-confrontational, said, I'm not giving you my ID. And the police were trying to escalate it. I think they were looking for an excuse to push him to the ground and put their knee in their back and then have a whole international incident and then have the police chief stand up and say, we're not like this. This isn't who we are, which we all know is exactly who folks are, especially in law enforcement. I don't know what what the training is in law enforcement, but I do feel like those types of organizations are ripe with white supremacists and people who don't necessarily know the law and are hoping you don't know it either. So that is what we're butted up against. So I just want to know how a Juneteenth holiday changes any of that. I want to know how a Juneteenth holiday changes um, anything that allows equal access to education, generational wealth, wealth, well-paying jobs, any of those things. It's a commemoration of the end of one type of enslavement in Africa, but it doesn't address, or in America, but it doesn't address other types of historical oppression that continues. So I honestly look at these things as a distraction. Who is actually being served? And I'm I'm willing to bet that those people who are celebrating t- Juneteenth, for whom this holiday is sacred and applies, are probably working the holiday. And lots of white folks who don't understand the significance of this national holiday are off having a day off, while being waited on by black folks. That's what I'm thinking. Could Juneteenth actually be a holiday where all Black folks are off? If they wanna be, that is. If they celebrate, that is. And white folks and other folks of color work and give Black folks an opportunity to tend to their own well being and rest by actually having a day off that commemorates a life changing event and a turn and change in history. So when people ask me what Juneteenth means to me, I celebrate it in the same way my African-American brothers and sisters celebrate it, whatever it means to them. And I understand the resonance and I understand what the holiday means for some. But for me, it just seems like yet another way to distract us or placate us or pretend like we actually care about plight of African-Americans or formerly, you know, enslaved Africans, but we don't actually change any of the structural systems by creating a holiday that not all of us get to celebrate. And so for me, um, I want Black folks uh, who feel connected to the holiday to celebrate and to feel joyful in the moment, but I also like it to be a moment of reflection on what the holiday actually means. And I saw a couple of memes on um, Instagram for certain companies that uh, didn't really want to celebrate the holiday and were dismissive of the holiday. And it just goes to show you not everybody's on board. So I would like to hear your thoughts on the Juneteenth holiday. What does it mean to you? And do you feel like It's a distraction from changing the things that could really impact the well-being of uh, Black folks. Um, Do people get that time off? Do you get double time and a half? Or is it just another general holiday in which most Black folks are going to work anyway? Some of us will have it off. Most of us will not. And it will be a holiday in name only. So I've been giving a lot of thought. And here I go and pivot a little bit into Canada Day celebration. So currently, we're just past that Canada Day, 4th of July holiday weekend. So I'm recording this just after that. It was just on the weekend. And I had a really interesting conversation that is very similar to my feelings around Juneteenth as a holiday and around Canada Day. So as a Canadian, I haven't really celebrated Canada Day for the past three years. Uh, prior to three years ago, I would celebrate it. I do love my country. I think it's flawed. I think it has a lot of problems and I'm hoping that I can help be the change in some of those problems. I've had to pay closer attention to some of the systemic issues that we have here that don't just affect me in Canada, but in fact, our first na- in fact, um, that affect First Nations, Um, communities here in Canada and Indigenous communities here in Canada. And I remember back in 2017, I drove to Ottawa. That was the last time I, I celebrated Canada Day. We drove to Ottawa because it was the 150th birthday of Canada. And I thought, wow, what a wonderful way to celebrate. And we went to Ottawa and celebrated with, I don't know, a million of our closest friends. It was chaotic and ridiculous, and too many people. Um, no incidents of violence because, you know, uh, sometimes Canadians can be polite in the rain and standing in line for hours and not getting on Parliament Hill to hear the Prime Minister speak at the time, which is all I wanted to do, but. I didn't know I would have to get up at 6 a.m. and sleep out. Like the organization for Canada Day in Ottawa was not well done. I don't think people thought as many people would descend on our capital. So that was uh, not a fun time. And But it gave me a time to reflect because when I was standing in line, not being able to get into Parliament Hill, not even getting close to Parliament Hill, I decided that let's just go for a walk around and sightsee around the things that people come to Ottawa to see. So I took my kids to a museum. We walked along the waterfront, walked along the canal. We saw the back end of the parliament buildings. And as we were walking along the canal, there was a poster on a light post that I stopped to read. And it said, what are we actually celebrating on Canada Day? And it was written by an Indigenous group, activist group, saying that what we're actually celebrating is the stealing of land, the destruction of cultures, and a colonial system put in place that created a classist, racist system that hurts Indigenous folks because this is their land and we managed to, settlers managed to come over from wherever and uh, destroy entire populations of Indigenous folks. And we were celebrating, you know, Confederation, which one of the main steers and creators, or one of the main um, developers of Confederation was Sir John A. MacDonald. And when we learn more about him now, we certainly find out that he's racist. We certainly, I'm just, I wouldn't even hazard a guess. I haven't done any research on this, but I, I think this is something you probably could look up. Uh, did Sir John A. McDonnell uh, own slaves? What do you think the answer is? Do you think he owned slaves? I don't know. We had slavery in Canada. I, I know that he, um, he, <laughs> I know that he wasn't a fan or cared about the indigenous population here in Canada. And, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if he had enslaved folks. Um, yeah. It turns out surprise, surprise. Uh, a new British database reveals that the father-in-law of Canada's first prime minister owned 96 enslaved Africans in Jamaica. So there it is. And we look at our frightening facts about our first prime minister, now that we got the technology to look up these things. uh, I think it's important that we have this understanding that we love this grand notion that Canada is this, you know, utopian society, but we don't We don't understand our history, right? Um, Like during the Civil War, which is 1861 to 1865, Montreal served as a refuge um, for the Confederates. You know, Southern Americans who wanted to keep slavery and succeed from the Union were welcome here in Canada. And Southern... Uh, human traffickers, and people who owned enslaved Africans had the sympathy of John A. MacDonald. And so these are the things that we need to know when we're celebrating Canada Day as John A. MacDonald is an architect of that very thing, right? He had political sympathies towards Southern confederacies. Um, he was an advocate for um, you know, slavery. So uh, these are things that we need to know about ourselves as Canadians. And as we're celebrating Canada Day, not only are we looking at that link to Juneteenth where, you know, John A. McTonnell was not shy about his uh, pro-slavery stance and his <sighs> defense of the South making uh, this gallant effort to keep, enslaved Africans as part of their economic gain, right? Um, (laughs) But we need to understand that there's lots of blood on our hands here in in Canada, and as we continue to find the unmarked grave of Indigenous children who never made it home, we got to realize when we're celebrating these holidays that we're forgetting this very important history and that we're forgetting that a lot of the folks who created Canada had deference uh, for Southern Confederates and sympathized and believed in um, the oppression of Black and Brown people who created residential schools, who um, killed Indigenous folks. Um, And that our history is entwined in that way. So the same way I'm cautious about celebrating Juneteenth, um, but understanding its significance and its relevance. I'm done celebrating Canada Day. I think we need truth and reconciliation and knowing who the people were that created this great nation and how we can undo some of the trauma that they've created that's created generational issues and generational trauma for Indigenous folks and Black folks alike. And what I've always known about Indigenous folks and Black folks is that we've always stood with each other because we understand our common fate. As for Juneteenth in the United States, I think it's another great opportunity for capitalism to rise high, because we did see that Walmart, (laughs) some of the biggest purveyors of capitalism, trying to pay people as little as possible, because if you're a capitalist, you want to get as much um, cheaper free labor as possible, started making Juneteenth ice cream. So a lot of those folks are cashing in, when there are a lot of Black-owned businesses that have celebratory items that they are selling in their own, in a celebration of their ancestors, um, finding, and I'm going to put freedom in quotation, freedom away from direct enslavement, and celebrating those things in products that we've made as a culture, only to have capitalism and mainstream organizations like Uh, Walmart who I'm sure doesn't give a shit about any of that stuff um, cash in on Juneteenth. It's another way just to commercialize and make money um, off the backs of Black folks and their history, their stories and their tragedies. So when I'm asked about Juneteenth again I recognize the significance and I see all the things that happen as a conscientious observer from the other side of the border. And I also see its links to the way we celebrate Canada Day and that celebration of independence or the creating of uh, a nation. Um, It parallels with me, but the problem is we never know the truth of anything. We know bits and pieces of the truth of things because it hasn't been talked about for so long and it hasn't been deemed important enough to take up airspace or important enough for us all to learn and it's unfortunate because our histories are intertwined and our histories teach us about each other and our histories are important to know not just one people's history but all people's histories and how those histories intertwine and bring us to the place that we find ourselves in today. So when I talk about Juneteenth, I celebrate the emancipation in one way, but the continue of enslavement in other ways. And if you want to do your own research and do a little bit of, you know, fact finding, you can see how slavery really hasn't ended, but has evolved to mean other things, right? Has just been evolving over time, that people are still stuck and people are still oppressed and people are still um, placed in federal punishment systems, disproportionate to non-people of color. So what does that mean for our well-being as people, as a community, as a country? It would do our bodies good And it would do our souls good to know the truth of our history. And unfortunately, that's something you have to learn on your own because there aren't schools out there that teach this uh, on the regular. And especially if you've already been through university and high school and grade school and you didn't get that education the first time around, it's important that you get a broader perspective of education by educating yourself on these things because I think it will give you a better understanding into why we need to prioritize health and well-being for our black and brown communities in the world and our non-white communities in the world because there's a lot of healing that needs to happen and sometimes the celebration of these big holidays um, can be triggering and can be traumatizing for folks especially if they are not afforded the right to celebrate their ancestors on a holiday that they're working through that holiday in service positions to a dominant culture or if um they don't identify with the holiday but they're expected to educate folks on this particular holiday so i think it's important to know all those things i think it's important to sit on all those Mm -hmm. things and the only way that we get better and we heal from these deep wounds which is what we want to do in intentional well-being is if we know the truth of what is happening Or the truth of what has happened. So I always want to encourage people to, when you're taking on these very heavy topics, to take them off in bite-sized chunks and decide, you know, how you're going to wade your way through this information and what changes are you going to make out in the world that allows folks who don't look like you and maybe aren't a part of your community an opportunity for rest and well-being. I would like Juneteenth, the holiday, to be a national holiday in which All folks who have a direct connection to enslavement through the transatlantic slave trade, and more importantly, my African-American brothers and sisters, and their path to freedom from human trafficking, to have access to health care and have access to having rest on that particular day. That other folks who this is not a direct part of their um, history step up and say, okay, you know, in my organization... There are three or four people who celebrate Juneteenth. I'm going to give them the days off and I'm going to work instead because I think it's important to have a part of their history recognized and that they take to get to take rest. So when we're looking at our own intentional well-being, we need to figure out what it is that we can handle, how it is we want to approach a topic or a situation, and how we can learn about ourselves in that situation to better able to either change the outcome or for us to be able to sit with the discomfort of knowing our history and sitting with that discomfort helps us to understand our humanity and see the humanity of others instead of getting into our feelings and getting our feelings heard or getting defensive Can we just sit with hurt feelings? Can we just sit with discomfort? Can we just sit with anger for a few moments and not always be reactionary? Can we just unfold all the things that we need to know so that... We can start to unpack this trauma and finally find a place of rest and connection. Like these are the things we want to do. So being intentional in our wellness means being aware of the people who are around us and helping them to achieve their wellness. Because one thing I have noticed is I like to help folks. And when I help folks, I inevitably help myself. And that can be part of your intentional well-being or making space for somebody else to take rest because I'm doing something that makes society better as a whole, which is going to in turn affect my well-being um, and giving other folks access to well-being that might not ordinarily have access. So when we're in these difficult situations or we learn this stuff about who we are or where we come from, can we ground down through our feet? Can we relax our jaw? can we soften our gaze, can we breathe deeply and be in the truth of what it is, and let that truth empower us to move forward and do bigger things in the world, because in order to move forward in a positive way, in a way that promotes well-being, we actually have to know our past so that we don't repeat Things that are damaging to others or damaging to ourselves. So I know these topics are heavy and I know it's a lot to think about, but it's a big part of our personal growth as human beings, which I would hope is intentional. I would I would hope that we want to know more and want to do more and want to be in relationship with more people and find that joy of getting to know others and being helpful in our shared history. So those are my thoughts on Juneteenth and uh, my pivot into Canada Day. So let's take a couple of deep breaths as we sit with our feelings around this. So let's root down through our feet or root down through any part of your body that is making contact with the floor, a chair, or a mat. So I'm going to invite you to come into your body in a way that feels good. So if you're sitting in a chair or laying on the floor, what parts of your body are making contact with the floor or the chair? And can we bring our awareness to the tip of our nose and breathe in deeply and slowly and just watch our feelings? Watch what comes up for us. Watch what makes us uncomfortable. Watch what opens our minds. And watch what illuminates our humanity. And look at that as a tool for well-being. Things that make us stronger, things that make us feel good, things that connect us to others are all a, part of our, all a part of our well-being. So as you sit with your breath and you unpack your feelings, I invite you to let this be a part of your well-being practice. Knowledge is power, everyone. Thank you for joining me on the Intentional Well-Being Podcast. As always, it's a pleasure to have these conversations with you. If you'd like this podcast, I'd love it if you would give it a thumbs up, go ahead and rate it on Apple Podcasts because that really helps us out. Share it, talk about it, post it in your social media feeds. And you know, I would love it if you would reach out to me and let me know if there's anybody you think I should be talking to on the Intentional Wellbeing Podcast. Until next time, everyone, take care and be intentional in your well-being.